Well, now, gracious, loving God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together in this place be found pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, Happy New Year, and grace and peace to all of you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Donald Miller, who is probably best known for his book, Blue Light Jazz, once said, if you watched a movie about a guy who wanted a Volvo and worked for years to get it, you wouldn't cry at the end when he drives off the lot testing the windshield wipers. You wouldn't tell your friends you saw a beautiful movie or go home and put on a record and think about the story you had just seen. Nobody cries or cheers at the end of a movie about a guy who wants a, a Volvo. But, he said, we spend years actually living these stories and expect to find our lives meaningful. Miller concluded, if what we choose to do won't make a story meaningful, it won't make a life meaningful either. As we noted last week, we're in this season now of uh, annual evaluations. We just finished uh, the parade of year-end reviews, rehashing the highs and lows of 2018, and aren't we all glad that's over? It, it's natural uh, to look back and evaluate. Lots of people do this at the end of a year. We look back and we measure our losses and our gains, and we do this not just about pounds, um, maybe you have found yourself in this little season of time at the end of one year and at the beginning of another uh, doing a little stock taking for yourself. And if you have, then maybe you've noticed that evaluating the state of your soul isn't quite as simple as removing the haagen from your grocery cart. Taking stock of who you are, where you've been, where you seem to be going, is, is serious work. It can be a painful thing, but it's also an essential thing for anyone who wants to grow in wisdom and in faithfulness to God. And taking stock is necessary for anyone who happens to find him or herself in the place of admitting, I've come to a point in my life that has ceased to be meaningful to me. I don't especially like the story I'm living. I want more for my life than this. Well, today's message, friends, is for anyone who's feeling stuck where you are and who may be wondering if real change is even possible. Maybe you want to be a better parent. Maybe you want to be more authentically you uh, with your wife or your husband, your friends. Maybe you want to be a better teacher, student, leader, lawyer, caregiver, whatever it is you do. Or maybe you simply want to live like a real child of God, but you're really not sure what that means or what to do next. Well, our text this morning, the 30th chapter of Deuteronomy, which you heard just now, wants to help us evaluate the choices we've been making and to help us take stock of the choices that lie ahead. It really is a perfect passage for the beginning of a new year. And so here's what's going on as we get into this story. Let me set the scene for you. The people of Israel 
have finished their long journey through the wilderness. So behind them is the desert they have spent 40 years struggling through. Behind them are some battles, a few failures, and countless demonstrations of God's faithfulness to them all along the way. Behind them is Mount Sinai, where God gave those those life-giving commandments to them. And behind all of that is Egypt, where they had been slaves until God had set them free. Like 2018 is for us, all of that is behind them now. Ahead of them is the land of promise that's going to be their home, and they can see it on the horizon, and oh my goodness, they want to go in. But before they can go in, they need to be clear about a few things. They need to be clear about who they are. They need to be clear about where they've been and why. And they need to know what's at stake in the choices that lie ahead of them. And so Moses sits them down for a little heart-to-heart right there at the border of the promised land. And I don't know how long he kept them there, but in the Bible, his speech goes on for 30 whole chapters. And it's a wonderful talk. Moses tells them their story again, their grand meta-narrative, like we did all through the Advent season. He traces for them their amazing journey. And he doesn't pull any punches. He, he names for them all of their failures and their rebellions. But he names as well all the ways in which God has been present with them in the wilderness. All the times God has picked them up and moved them along. But the whole message is leading up to these final few words at the end, which you just heard. Moses concludes his speech on that boundary between the past and the future with these unforgettable words. I have set before you today, he said, life and prosperity, death and adversity. Choose life that you may live in the land God is giving you. Hold fast to God, he said, so that you may live. One of my favorite moments from Fiddler on the Roof is when Tevye the milkman belts out a vigorous, to life, to life, l'chaim. Moses uh, may have looked and sounded nothing like Tevye, but, but I can picture him there at the border of the promised land, lifting hands over them like an old Jewish grandfather, shouting, here's to life, choose life, choose chayim. He's pretty blunt with them. And in truth, he probably sounds less like Tevia and more like a doctor giving straight talk to a patient who needs straight talk. You know, if you exercise, if you eat right, take this medicine, you're going to live. If you don't do these things, friend, you're going to die. Moses may be blunt, but his words, of course, are truth. The choices we make do lead us ever closer to death or closer to life. And it's easy to forget this. So many of the thousands of decisions we make all through the day and week seem to be ordinary and small, and we miss their significance. But the Bible is faithful to remind us that we are making daily choices that move us further into a way of death or further into life. 
Think about your choices, Moses said to them. Be wise, be alert, and be sure you are choosing life. It's so easy to start choosing badly without even recognizing it. A way that leads to death may look very much at first like a way that leads to life. You choose a path, and it may be a while before you come to understand this, this really isn't right for me. So we have to ask ourselves again and again, where is this road I'm on really taking me? I made some choices that seemed right at the time. Is it time perhaps to choose again? This is the heart of the story of the Magi that we also heard this morning. The first road they took when coming to see Jesus led them straight through the palace of the tyrant, King Herod. They didn't know any better. And Herod, pretending to be as devout as they were, told them, if you, you can find the child in Bethlehem, oh, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I may go and worship him too, you know. Greasy mustache, hand-wringing. It's, it's a sinister moment. But when the Magi found the child and saw with their very own eyes the face of God in the world, their eyes were opened. And Scripture says that when it came time for them to head back home, they took a detour. They figured out an alternate route. They went home by another way. And of course, the practice of taking detours, taking different paths, has everything to do with one of the most beautiful words in all of Scripture, the word repentance. Repentance simply means our choices can be changed. We can be changed. Look around you, Scripture is saying to us, the choices you made yesterday that may have seemed right at the time, may be leading you closer to danger. Choose again. But it's not only our choices that call us sometimes to make new choices for life. Sometimes out of the blue, something comes, a blow that hurls us into the place of consciously having to choose to live again. The doctor and writer Rachel Rimmon tells a story about a woman in her 70s, Enid, whose husband died quite suddenly, unexpectedly. And Enid, in her devastation, just simply shut down. She stopped cooking, stopped caring for herself. Many days she just sat in her bathrobe staring out the living room window. And she grieved that way for two years until her daughter, in a desperate attempt to help her mother, took Enid to see a grief counselor. And at the first meeting, she and the counselor simply sat there for a long time looking at one another in silence. And finally, the counselor asked Enid, why have you come? Herbert has died, she said. My daughter wants me to talk to you about it, but no one could possibly understand what I'm feeling. And the counselor nodded with empathy. And then she said, Enid, if Herbert were here, what would you say to him? And Enid 
closed her eyes and began talking to her husband out loud. She told him about what life was like without him, of going to their special places alone, walking their dogs alone, sleeping in their bed alone. She told him about having to learn to do the little things that he had always taken care of. And then Enid cried for a long time. And when her tears stopped, the counselor asked quietly, Enid, if Herbert were here, what do you think he would say to you about the way you've lived these last two years of your life? <coughs> and Enid looked startled at that question. But then she said this. She said, I think Herbert would say, Enid, why have you built a monument of pain in memory of me when my whole life was about love? For the first two years, for the first time in two years, there was this hint of a smile on Enid's face. And she said, perhaps there are other ways to remember my husband. See, Enid had been so afraid of letting go of her pain that, that letting go of that pain would betray her husband's memory. And so she had clutched her pain and fed her pain and been consumed by her pain. And now, two years later, she had to learn how to live all over again. Friends, this is worth remembering. That every great loss, whether it's a death, or some other kind of life-altering devastation, every great loss eventually demands that we choose life again. So, what about you? Where are your choices leading you? And if you don't like the road that you're on, be sure to hear the good news today, and it's this. God is still inviting us to choose. God is still holding out in this moment the opportunity for a new beginning. And this morning in this place, we're actually going to mark that gift in a very tangible kind of way. Last week, we were deliberate about closing the door on some things, on, on dreams that didn't pan out, old failures, old bitterness, releasing some of these things into the hand of God. Today is about opening doors, about making new choices, about saying yes to life, yes to God. And so in a little while, we are all going to be invited to the table of Christ, the gift of God for the people of God, this morning, near each of the communion stations is a small table with a lit candle surrounded by unlit candles. And after you receive the bread and the cup, or maybe a blessing if you're not taking communion this morning, I want to invite you when you come to this little table to light a candle. And before you do, Think about the year ahead, spread out before you like fresh snow that hasn't yet been walked on. And please ask God to bring to mind one way in which you might make a new choice, a new path in 2019. Maybe it's a choice regarding some relationship, family, friends, colleagues, 
Maybe it's a new choice for your job or your leisure time. Maybe it's time to make new choices with your money or with your influence, perhaps, that serves something bigger than they've been serving. And oh, could there be a, a better day than today to make a new choice which connects you with God? So in a little while, whatever your candle represents, you're invited to light it from the candle that's already burning. There are five places, including a place for the choir up there at the front. One little caveat, though. Please make sure we all hear this. Your candle is not meant to be a sign of your getting your act together in 2019. This is not about you doing it better or working harder. We're lighting our candle today as an act of surrender to the one who gives us life and a fresh beginning. See, I have set before you Death and life. Oh, my people, says God, choose and choose life. Will you pray with me? God, with such amazing mercy, you've chosen life for us. And please make us faithful today to choose life with you. Thank you for the gift of repentance. And give us wisdom and courage to take hold of your gift and to live by it. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.